This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hello again, everyone, for another edition of the Championship Clubs Podcast. Me, your host, Ross Hancock, and today we'll be joined by Coldy Skipper, JJ Dickinson, as we look back at an outstanding January for the newly promoted side. We'll also be looking at the news in and around the game at the moment, including the recent minimum standards criteria for promotion in the Championship and how next season's league might look following the Worcester bombshell. But we'll start last weekend and, and take a look back at the Championship Cup as the semi-finals begin to take shape. Cornish Pirates became the first team to confirm their place in the semi-finals with a 52-5 home victory against Coldy and can secure a home semi-final this weekend with just a point at Ampdill. Elsewhere, it's familiar faces in the driving seat with Ealing top of pool one after a thumping 71-14 home win against Bottingham. And Jersey sitting pretty as a best runner-up in second after a big 7-47 away win at Hartbury. Both will confirm their place with wins against Hartbury and Nottingham respectively this weekend. And Doncaster can also cement their spot as the winner of pool two with a point at Bedford after they hammered London Scottish 66-12 at Castle Park last week. Coventry will be ready to pounce at the rag against Scottish after their impressive win at home against Bedford last week, but we'll round that up in the next show. So it's time for today's guest, and it's a big welcome to JJ Dickinson. JJ, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. We've been chatting for a few weeks to set this interview up and missed each other at the weekend at the Men, eh? But got asked first of all, mate, how was the fun bus back up North East? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it was a good bus, to be fair. First time we've done that long journey, so uh, we were a bit worried about how long it was going to take and how much booze we could actually fit on. But uh, no, it was pretty good, pretty good. We got home for about half one and uh, everyone was still alive, so success, yet. Decent, mate. Decent. You've got to do that again in a couple of weeks as well, haven't you? Yeah, we have, yeah. Well, now the lads know what they've got to look forward to, so yeah, hopefully we show up for the game as well then. We'll move on, we'll move <laughs> on. We'll get your thoughts on some of the bigger issues surrounding the game in a moment, but we'll stick with Coldy first and, you know, we know plenty of Coldy is that sort of favourite second team for lots of people, I guess, in the Championship this season. But I suppose we, we've got you here. What, where did your journey begin with the club? Uh, yeah, so I started playing for the club when I started high school in year seven. I was when I first introduced to rugby, local school as well, Coldy Grammar School. Uh, I went down the club because I enjoyed it and just got stuck in from there. And then it's been my only club ever since, really. I've been pretty lucky. They've sort of started coming up through the leagues as I was in age group level. Uh, and then... I went away to Australia and New Zealand for a couple of years and came back. And the year I came back was a year we got promoted into that one. And then the journey's just gone on from there, really. We've just started building and building better and better teams, good coaching staff. And yeah, now, now you see the result of it. Uh, talk about your journey. We talked about your journey home at the weekend and, and the, the booze bus and and that culture that Coldy's got. That's a big part of it. We always talk about that on the, on the, on the pod, but, you know, from someone that's, deep grain within that what you know is that the best bit about it is it still that amateur ethos but managed to sort of you know stay professional <laughs> uh, I'm not sure Coldy been called professional all that many times but um yeah I mean, I, I mean to be fair I get this question quite a lot you know like what do Coldy do because we do get a reputation as a really good time team um and I'm probably the worst person to ask because it's only ever been my club you know like you get we had loads of lads come into the club, move on to a higher up or gone to other clubs and like, oh, Coldy was a favourite club I've ever been at. And me and my director of rugby, who I've known for years, Gaz Davis, we sort of look at each other and go, what do we do differently? We're not really sure, to be honest. Um, I can tell you what we do do is we, you know, we put an emphasis on enjoying being around each other, the social side. We have a drink after every game. Um, as well as trying to play really good rugby because we've got a, a good squad of competitors together at the minute. So, uh, 
you know, the drink tastes a lot sweeter when you win, doesn't it? So, yeah, it, it's a good balance at the minute, definitely. I've been in teams at Coldy where we've definitely enjoyed the social side a little bit too much, hence where our name, the Ravers, comes from. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it, at the minute, it feels like we've got the balance just about right. You talk about that closeness and that, you know, that team bonding, and I suppose it's more so for you than others, with your brother being there too. How did that come about, sort of him coming to the club? He's someone that's had a, a lot of the years at the top of the game, namely with, with Northampton Saints. Yeah, yeah. So Sammy did really well. He um, he left the club when he was about 24. Uh, and he, well, he, he came through the championship. So he headed to Rotherham, took a chance on a very small contract to try and make it pro. And then luckily had what it took and um, got picked up by Saints and had a you know, great career there. Uh, and then also came back through the champs. So he was at Ealing for a couple of years as well uh, before COVID hit and a lot of the contracts got cancelled. And then luckily for, I mean, it's not luckily, Sammy was always going to come back. It's uh, his childhood club as well and uh, very dear to his heart. So it's been real nice for both of us that we get to see how our careers are essentially having a last little play together. And of course, it's been quite a month and what's been quite a first season in the Championship, you boys. I've just got the the stats here. I'll run the listeners through. And, and you are the form side at, at the moment in the league. And looking at that, that January there, that run, you'd be Ealing at home, 26-24, bonus point win. Richmond at home, 27-7, bonus point win. Nottingham away, 29-17, bonus point win. And Bedford at home, 36-28, bonus point win. That's four out of four maximum points. Seventh in the championship, 22 points clear at the bottom. Player of the month, Ollie Hearn. That's not a bad return for January, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you list it like that, it's pretty unreal, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean... Every... <laughs> It's a usual thing when everything goes right, everything goes right. So uh, we, we did target January is a big month for us. Uh, but I suppose every team targets every month is a big month for them, don't they? Uh, we, uh, we had that Ealing victory, which was a bit of a catalyst for us, really. I don't think anyone was showing up expecting us to get a bonus point victory against them. But as I say, uh, I mean, we, we've absolutely loved welcoming these huge clubs to our lowly little shed on a hill. Um, but... As I say, we're not like in awe of them. We do show up because we want to win. And obviously that's how we got to the league. So we got very lucky in certain aspects of certain things. But also, I mean, you, you've got to be in it to win it, haven't you? So without putting too many cliches into one sentence. Um, and then from there, I, I do think the remaining three games, we potentially, we earned those victories, to be honest. We worked hard. Uh, coaching staff were phenomenal preparing us for those games. And yeah, what a month. <laughs> Yeah, just move away from from the the month as a whole. It, it's it's very difficult to get away from that Ealing result. I think it's going to be a result that's talked about for a, for a long, long time within the the realms of this this division. Certainly, the history of the club. I mean, what does it mean to you as a local lad to be you know part of such a, a pivotal part of the history of the club in terms of a singular result? That's something you're going to dine out on 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 dinners and and stuff over the years. People are going to be buying you pints for for many years to come down there, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, hopefully so. Um, yeah, it was a bit surreal, really. I mean, the, the lads had a load of dry Januarys planned and then uh, <laughs> the final whistle came and they're obviously scoring on the final whistle as well. Uh, they were all out the window. So, yeah, we, we certainly enjoyed ourselves and we certainly enjoyed the victory. But yeah, it, it, it was honestly just, you know, obviously rugby's a bit tough, isn't it? It's, it's an attritional sport, so it's a bit less common than likes of football for those sort of results to pop up. So... It was a bit of a surprise to us. We can openly admit that. But, uh, you know, I think we took it well when the pressure came on them and they were down to 13 men and that kind of thing. We still had to execute. So we were pretty proud of ourselves. Um, and then 
I mean, the main job of myself as captain and the coaching staff was to sort of bring everyone back down to earth after <laughs> after that win, make sure it wasn't like a three-day celebration like when we won the league and uh, actually realised, well, we've got another game next week, lads, so let's calm down again. You certainly brought them back down to earth with the rest of the results in January. You notice I said there, 22 points clear at the bottom, obviously not meant in a, in a disrespectful way or, or saying what your goals might have been for the season, but... Of course, every newly promoted side will always have that ambition of, of remaining in the new division. You know, a lot of pundits favourites for, for finishing bottom, whether that means the drop this season or not. Absolutely miles clear of that now. Was that was that the sole focus or is it or was it something else? And can, can you already look ahead to next season, I suppose? Well, I, I don't think I'd say anything like that this early on. But um, we're certainly, yeah, the, the, the goal was stay up. That was our main target for the season. Um Obviously, what form that takes, depending on, I mean, I don't know if, if we even know how many teams are going down, etc. at the minute. That, that, that's the mystery that we live in. But the, all we can do is put as many points in the bank to uh, try and stop that from happening. Yeah, we, we are probably way ahead of where we thought we would be. Um, but equally, you've got to reassess and you set new targets depending on where you are. And we're now seventh in the league, aren't we? So we now have new targets that aren't just stay up. So, yeah. I guess that segues nicely in, into something we can't really avoid. If you see the news coming out of the league this week, it was announced, of course, that the Ealing are not eligible for promotion to the Premiership next season, while Doncaster would be. They're not in a position due to where they are in the league table. What did you think when you saw the news? What's the what's the news from the Coldy camp when you saw that? Uh, yeah, it's just a bit surreal, really. I mean, it got sent around on some of the socials straight away as soon as it was announced. Um, I, I think it would have been... The, regardless of what league we're in, it's just a bit surreal, isn't it? I mean, you're in the second division of uh, of rugby in the whole of England and the best team in the league can't get promoted out of it. It's, it's just really tough. I mean, they're investing so much in their club and in the league and there's no goal for them apart from a bit of pride at the end of the season. So I do find it, yeah, a little bit surreal, really. What do we do then? That's the, that's the, that's the question. I suppose not for you, but just like it's a more of a, a discussion point for, for the powers that be. You know, what's the solution? What are the repercussions? Because for me, Ealing have obviously dominated the League and Cup for several seasons now, continue to get stronger, um, remain well financially backed. The knock-on, I suppose, to the Championship is that you've basically got a, a ready-made premiership team dominating the league, although you've had something to say about that this this season already yourselves. You know, how how do you sort of stay, not motivated, that's probably the wrong word or, or the wrong question, but, you know, every every season that Ealing are in it, the way they are run currently, they are going to be massive favourites and more often than not, they're going to put teams to the sword, aren't they? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, I say it's surreal. It's also really disappointing, I think. I mean, the whole reason why people watch sport is the uncertainty results like our one against Ealing is obviously brilliant, brings viewers to the sport, that kind of thing. But at the same time, it, the results at the end of the season are just as important. And for a team to be dominating a league, winning a league and not be allowed to go up and for teams in the league above to only ever come down if they go bankrupt, I just think it's a bit of a broken system really, isn't it? I mean, not many other sports operate like this. And if they're going to ring fence it, why don't they come out and say it and be brave about it? But... <laughs> I, I do think, yeah, there's, there's, there's massive issues. And the fact that we're going into, well, we're halfway through a season and we don't know how many teams are going to go down, what's going to happen at the end of the season in terms of who wins and who can go up from what position, that kind of thing. It's it's not great, is it? I know if I was running a company and this was a state I found myself in halfway through the fiscal year, then I'd be pretty embarrassed, yeah. 
a lot of that I think stems from the, the ifs and buts of Wasps and Worcester. We'll come on to that again in a minute. We keep hearing this two leagues of 10, there's Premiership 1, Premiership 2. You know, would the, would the latter be enough for Ealing with the money they've spent and the ambitions they have? That Premiership 2 not effectively being in that top tier that they've chased for so long. And, you know, I guess what's your take on that potential set from a Coldy perspective as well? I'm not trying to ambush you with a difficult question there, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, at the moment, there's 25 teams and it doesn't go into 20, does it, for two leagues of 10? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, it's all ifs, buts and maybes, I guess. But yeah, if you're asking me hypothetically, I, I, I still think it'd be unfair on Ealing. I mean, why, why should, if, if they deserve to go up, why should they not be in the top tier? I mean, really, you're just renaming the two leagues and cutting some teams out of it on you because no one's going to watch a premiership too. You watch the top tier because they are the best of the best, don't you? So um, I'd imagine that premiership two would die a death. Um, but uh, equally, you know, we just play to play the best opposition we possibly can. We're under no illusions. We've got no aspirations to go into the Premiership. Uh, we have reached our level. So as a, as a Coldy perspective, then all we do is do our best to make it into that Premiership too, if they even let us in it and uh, play the best opposition we can every week. Yeah. And tied together with that, I guess, as well, is, you know, as if we needed any more headline news in the, in the game concerning the Championship since the last pod um, with that shock news about the the consortium at Worcester, who's basically their plans have effectively to kill off the club um, and start again with with Stourbridge, which can, became public last week. What did you th- what did you think of that one when it came out? I think that caught us all by surprise a little bit. Yeah, a bit mad, isn't it? I mean, I don't really know the ins and outs of that one. Uh, it actually affects us uh, where, where I work as a school because we've got a few lads that are in the Worcester Academy or, or the age groups sort of coaching the DPDs and that kind of thing. Um, it'd be a real shame. I mean, it's a historic club, isn't it? So for them to just give up, but equally, they need a backer in order to stay alive, don't they? So I don't know. I don't have. A, I, I'm probably not well read enough on that one to have a strong opinion. But I, I do think it'd be a shame if we completely lost a club from the game. We should be growing the game, not shrinking it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's fair of me to to, to point out as well um, to not completely con- condemn the the Atlas Group. There, the news this week coming out is is that they have explored the possibility of applying for entry to the Championship at Worcester. There's another deadline that they've had extended, so they have been granted that sort of stay of execution. So hope yet perhaps at Six ways, that's not six ways rugby that their awful, awful rebrand has suggested. But, you know, what would a, what would a Wasps and Worcester fixture, though, do for someone like Coldy in terms of being able to welcome them for a competitive league fixture next season? But another thing that we've we've heard, which is the frustration, I guess you, you've said it there as well, is the not knowing. Um, I've heard chat that potentially we might not know how next season's structure in the, in the Championship might not look until till June when the, when the Premiership final was finished. Um, you know, how can how can you plan for that? But yeah, you know, this Premiership Championship Cup would potentially be fantastic. I think that's the hopes of that are dwindling every day. Um, but yeah, if you had a Wasps and a Worcester coming to Pattonfield, you know, next season in the in the wind and the rain and the mud, you could you could be in for another famous day. You could be in for a famous day against them anytime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've touched on it before, but we absolutely love welcoming welcoming these huge teams. Um, and to add Wasps and Worcester to it would be absolutely immense. We, we really hope they are in the division. I think it'd be great for the championship in general. Uh, they're going to maintain some of their fans. I know some of them will be pretty annoyed at the whole club and situation, but at the same time, it's not the team's fault. So you'd hope they'd maintain a good fan base. Uh, and yeah, we'd absolutely love to be welcoming them to Peyton Field uh, and into our dingy little changing rooms. But uh, 
but yeah, I mean that, that that that's a hurdle we'll jump when we get to it. Um, I just think, yeah, the, the uncertainty. I, I do. I, I just find it. I find it so unprofessional, and it, for uh, the, the RFU to be wanting to grow the game, and you know, well, I'm not sure they do want to grow the championship, but for to have that much money and this many people invested in a league to have this uncertainty and not be able to plan for next year because we have literally no idea what the league structure is going to look like. It just makes it even harder, really, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And and on that, I guess, and some positive stuff to chat about, I suppose, for the for one of the first times in, in this interview, in this pod. But, you know, we one of the key factors in that, we, we've said it on the pod for, for a long time, is is to get that sort of roundup show, that highlight show. It's been great to see that um, the last couple of weeks, which is a you know a, a huge step for the league in in terms of of getting that that feature out there. Our argument actually was that viral clipper that all the kids celebrating after that that last minute try from you guys against Ealing. You know that's good to see your name and lights on that on those kind of shows, isn't it? Not just the goalie, but the league really. Yeah, well, I mean we've been a bit miffed the last couple of weeks because we seem to be on the receiving end of a few highlight tries. <laughs> so uh, if we could stop being on the receiving end of them and be on the uh, acting end of them, it'd be a bit more pleasing. But no, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean there's, there's some awesome rugby. We, we, uh, we I, I mean I'll be honest. When we came up into the league, we had uh, you know a bit of video footage and a bit of historical knowledge, and then my brother who'd played in the championship before. Um, and we didn't have great hopes for the quality of rugby in the league. We sort of thought, well, historically, what happens is you get huge packs and like blokes that are massive, but not quite talented enough to make it in the premiership. So they're getting a contract in the championship and it's just big bundling packs and they'll just push you around the park. Uh, actually, we've been really nicely surprised and uh, there's been some really good rugby played uh, and it's encouraged us to improve the way we're playing. And uh, we, we definitely came up expecting to have to play a conservative game and I've actually realised you know that's not the way to play against some of these teams like the likes of Bedford etc who absolutely chuck it from everywhere um so yeah I I, I mean the, the more uh the, the bigger spectacle there is the, the more we can get those clips out there I think people start realising our fan base has definitely grown this year obviously we had the Ealing victory is massive as well but just from clips getting out there and then realising, oh, actually, you get a decent crowd down. It's a decent vibe. And, yeah, they play some decent rugby. Our fan base is growing and growing at Coldy, which is awesome to see. That's a good question, actually. Another point I wanted to make was that you know, the attendances at Coldy have been awesome this this season. I think a couple of times they've actually been the highest in the round. Uh, when you look at some of the other bigger clubs, if you'd like, that aren't getting some of the attendances, something we speak about on the on the group chat from the, from the pod, with, with that kind of, do you think that coverage would detract that crowd away or do they enjoy their Saturday? So for example, yeah, I don't know if there was a free to air game at, at your place, you know, would that stop people coming or do you think it's it's more about the day out than it is the actual rugby sometimes as well? Because that's, that's got to be a strong marketing point, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I can only speak from Coldy's point of view, but no way. I, I, I mean, every club thinks this, but we got the best fans in the world. They, they're, they're there rain or shine. I mean, You've, you've been up to Coldy. It's a pretty uh, grim place to be most winters with uh, it's exposed from, exposed from the beaches with driving rain and wind and the bank's still full all the time. So um, it's, a, it's about the day out at Coldy and the clubhouse stays absolutely packed for about three or four hours afterwards. Uh, there's no way we'd, we'd lose any fans from it being free to air. Uh, having said that, we I do know there's lots of boys that would happily, if they can't make it for any reason, free up their Saturday to watch the game from wherever they are and 
whenever we've had a stream available that we can put on in the club, the clubhouse is filled up just so they can come and watch it together and, you know, half have that experience. So, yeah, I, I think it's something that needs to happen, definitely. And obviously, again, if, if there's a chance that Coldy are part of that conversation in that two leagues of 10 and it would be what a story that would be, you know, that could bring in that those, those TV gates that... The crowds might dwindle, but the TV gates could come in and help out with that with that money. This, you know, the, these clubs, this league needs funding, doesn't it? it? Needs that commercial activity. It needs a sponsor. Next is the is the next big one. We want to, we want to see it grow, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we welcome anything we can get. I mean, we're used to having one of the smallest budgets in there, and that one before we came up. So we, we welcome anything we can get, and uh, we'll help grow it in any way we can. Basically, like. The lads are just happy to be there and be playing rugby. We've got a great team behind Coldy, but they are inexperienced at this kind of thing. So we sort of learn from other clubs and they have good chats with other clubs when we go there. And, uh, you know, we, we've got one of our players helps do the social media and everything. So, yeah, whatever we can do, we, we're, we're open all ears. Yeah. Uh, JJ, it's been class to have you on, mate. Thanks for coming on and, uh, and best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, been brilliant. Cheers. Thanks to producer Ryan. Thanks everyone for listening and supporting the pod. We'll be back in a fortnight as we get back into champ action. So look out for our team of the week, player of the month. And in the meantime, get following on the socials. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.